Hey everybody, my name is Father Bryce Higginbotham here at Holy Cross in Morgan City, Louisiana. Welcome back to The Cross Stands as we ask the question, what do we believe? Uh, today we've made our way to the part of the Catechism which speaks about Jesus and Israel. What was Jesus' relationship with the people of the Old Covenant? Jesus was, in fact, a member of that people. Jesus was a Jew, as is often said. And, and so, so what was his relationship with, the, uh, with his fellow Jews? And um, what were the historical circumstances around Jesus' life, death, and resurrection? And seeing the historical circumstances help us to see the perduring meaning of the events. In other words, if we know like what was going on around the time that these key events happened, then we can better know what they mean because we can better know what they meant in, the, in, their, in their own time and then therefore how they apply to us. Knowing the historical circumstances like Jesus' relationship to Israel can help us to interpret the Bible, interpret the words and the actions of Jesus in a way that, that actually gets at what he meant rather than imposing our 21st century ideas onto the message of Jesus and the person of Jesus and thus obscuring what God has for us. So we asked today about Jesus and Israel. The Catechism says that from the beginning of Jesus' ministry, there are those who are against him, choosing to misinterpret his actions. He is accused of blasphemy and false prophecy, religious crimes which the law punished with death by stoning. But, but Jesus never broke the law. He says, in fact, in Matthew chapter 5, verse 17, do not think that I have come to abolish the law and the prophets. I have come not to abolish, but to fulfill them. Jesus didn't come to abolish the law. He came to fulfill the law. But there were some people among the scribes, among the Pharisees, among the priests, who, who, who chose to misinterpret Jesus, who chose to not believe in Jesus. We hear oftentimes in the Gospels, about the rampant hypocrisy of many of the Pharisees uh, who are Jesus' enemies. Yet, on the other hand, we know that St. Paul was a Pharisee. And his training as a Pharisee at the feet of Gamaliel actually empowered him to interpret the scriptures, that is to interpret the Old Testament well and see how the Old Testament was fulfilled in Christ. St. Paul's actual life and training as a Pharisee actually helped him to be, more, to be a more effective evangelist. So that's important that uh, the zeal of the Pharisees for keeping the law, for keeping the Old Covenant, the Old Testament, was a good and laudable thing. And it actually was a great help for the spread of Christianity in the person of St. Paul and some others, um, such as Nicodemus. But, uh, but, but that was also dangerous. Because for some of the Pharisees, in their zeal for the law, they actually forgot about God. And in their zeal uh, for the word of God, in the zeal for the law of God, in the zeal for the prophecies of God, they, they actually forgot about God himself. And so when Jesus, the divine word himself, came among them, they missed him. When the Messiah, for whom they had been waiting, uh, appeared right there, they, they missed him. <laughs> because in, in their being overzealous for the law, they forgot the God whom the law was preparing them to worship, whom the, 
law was uh, for whom or to whom the law was facilitating their worship. So Jesus comes and, and, and he wants to engrave the law not on tablets of stone, but on our hearts. And Jesus, the divine word himself, is the only one upon whom the words of the law are engraved, not on tablets of stone, but on the heart by nature. And he then invites us to receive the new law, to receive the law engraved on our heart through the grace of baptism. And some of the Jews rejected that and rejected him. And some of the Jews, such as St. Paul, such as Nicodemus, such as uh, all the apostles, um, they, they actually accepted, uh, accepted that new law in their hearts and uh, the fulfillment, uh, the messianic fulfillment. Jesus, uh, G- the important part of the Old Testament, important part of Judaism was the temple until it was destroyed in 70 AD. And just know that the, the body of Jesus is the new and definitive temple. If you watch some of the garbage on the History Channel, you'll see that um, they say, like, well, well, we're waiting for the, the, the third temple. So the Jews are going to build a new temple after they, like, fight with the Muslims or something. And then the second coming is going to happen when there's a third temple. That is totally and completely wrong. The third temple is the body of Jesus. And therefore, the third temple is the church. Not the church building, like you know, at Holy Cross or at Sacred Heart or wherever you go to Mass on Sunday. The, the third temple isn't the church building, but it's the body of Jesus, the body of Christ, of which you and I, you and I make up the body of Christ. We are the living stones built upon the foundation of the apostles, as the Bible says, as St. Peter the first pope says in the first encyclical in the Bible, in First Peter, and as St. Paul described in First Corinthians, are being members of the body of Christ. So we don't wait for a third temple to hearken the end of the world or anything like that. The end of the world will come. Jesus will, will return again, parousia. Um, but, but it's not going to be because um, the, the Jews win the fights with the Muslims and build a third temple. Um, but the, the third temple is already here, the new and definitive temple in the body of Jesus. Uh, Jesus is, well, well, in the Old Covenant we, we hear that perhaps the most important prayer uh, is the Shema in Deuteronomy 6, 4, Shema Israel, Adonai Eloheinu, Adonai Echad, I think is how it goes. Here, O Israel, the Lord your God is, is one. And, and, and to keep going, uh, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. One God. So when Jesus comes on the scene, and when he does things that only God can do, like forgive sins, Naturally, some of the scribes and Pharisees say, well, who can forgive sins? But God alone. Only God can forgive sins. So when Jesus forgives sins, he is claiming to be God. And therefore, either he is God and ought to be worshipped, or he is not God and ought to be put to death. And thus, we find ourselves in the great conflict of the Gospels. Some recognize that Jesus is God and begin to worship him. Thomas, the man born in John 21. Thomas uh, Thomas in John 21, the man born blind in John 9 and otherwise. Uh, But some don't. And some think that he is uh, blaspheming. And that's that's against the first commandment. It's punishable by death. And so the the chief priests and and the elders of of the Jews, they, they, they put him to death. 
Um, the Romans, they, they, they put him to death, and, and, and Jesus is crucified um, for, for us. And that's, that's, in fact, exactly where we're going uh, next time, is to Jesus' crucifixion. So tune in next time as we move into Jesus' crucifixion. And for this time, remember, Jesus came and he fulfilled the old law. He is the definitive temple, and he is, in fact, God himself, God the Son. Uh, there's one God. Um, there's not a separate God from the Old Testament to the New Testament. No, one God, three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And Jesus comes, shows us the Father, brings us the revelation of God. He and the Father send the Holy Spirit uh, to us that we might become the, the what St. Paul calls the Israel Tutheu, the Israel of God, the new Israel, God's new covenant people, united to him, grafted onto the branch of Israel, that we might persevere together into the heavenly city, the Jerusalem above. Amen. God bless you. Talk to you next time.